Welcome back to the Spoken D podcast with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. This is sort of officially kicking off the 2023 year because we sort of recorded a few ahead there. So uh, welcome back into 2023, Matt. Glad to be here. I'm sort of trying to grow some facial hair to match you. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see who ends up going longer here as time goes on. That's one of our competitions, folks. So You really just want a new photo. Well, I do. You know, that hair on top is a receding, so I need to put it somewhere. <laughs> well, um, we've asked for, like, you know, what topics people would like us to talk about. And one that uh, has come up, at least from uh, Elevation, the organization we work with, is uh, that we keep hearing about um, or sort of the shortage of ADHD medicines, especially the stimulants, or at least access to them, and the impact that might have on our patients and just um, clinical care in general. Because yeah, historically, I think every year, there's a period of time where those meds are harder to access for various reasons. And we're not experts in the reasons why the shortages occur. But end of 2022 and now carrying over into 2023, there's an ongoing shortage like mental health, to my knowledge, has never experienced in now significantly impacting patients and their ability to access what they should have access to based on what their pr- providers are prescribing them. All right. There, there, are, there are a few things there that uh, we know of. Uh, that, yeah, usually within a given year, uh, you're allowed <clears throat> through the DA comes up with a quantity of amount of, a say, Adderall or Ritalin that um, can be made throughout a year. And usually sometime in November – late November, early December, that supply dwindles down, so it can be a little bit more difficult. But uh, from a clinical standpoint, as a clinician, we started noticing some issues in the in the fall, probably the October time frame. And usually, you, you know, we expect, oh, that might get a little worse. But the really notable thing has been that now we're into the new year, and it's continuing to, to get worse. So we're seeing more pharmacies that don't have access to various strengths of the different stimulant medications for ADHD. Some of them just don't have any of it and don't know when they will be able to get it. So um, it's been very frustrating for practices, providers, patients. And so, you know, you know me, I sort of think of, well, where are there opportunities where there's difficulties? So... Um, it does give uh, you the opportunity to sort of re-engage about some things, but you do need to be able to take care of our patients. Uh, what we've seen in our own practice is that we've had patients coming to us that maybe they were taking care of on a purely telehealth platform, uh, and there were some issues, thought to be some issues, um, with certain pure telehealth, behavioral health platforms that might have been prescribing a lot of stimulants, diagnosing a lot of ADHD. Was it overdiagnosing? Was it not overdiagnosing? Was it just using certain stimulants and not non-stimulants? Uh, who knows? I, I think with a number of factors have come to be, you know, one of the reasons uh, for pushing, if you just look at the telehealth field across all specialties, I mean, we've mentioned this before that, all other specialties, patients have started coming back into the office, and the telehealth percentages are coming down. However, the behavioral health telehealth percentages haven't come down. Mm-hmm. So um, 
our own practice has seen more people come back into the office, but you know, we are in the office also. So that is a sort of, and we um, expect that your first appointment will be in the office, not over telehealth. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how we do it. But uh, I think with the pandemic, um, the stress, and just more out there being in social media about behavioral health, mental health, and issues, people are feeling more comfortable going to get their problems treated. So you're having more people come to behavioral health providers and, you know, attention issues are a big deal mm-hmm. uh, for folks. And they they can impact your career, your relationship, uh, how you're efficient you are throughout the day. So we're seeing it not just on the, you know, child, adolescent, which used to be the more majority, but we're seeing a lot more adults coming in, um, hearing about these problems, experiencing these difficulties, knowing a friend who might have those difficulties uh, or maybe the spouse that says, you know, uh, you know, I'm reading about this down line, and you're, you're a lot like that. So we're seeing all those things sort of increase probably the demand for those types of medicines. Yeah, I know looking just right before we started talking, the, the number was between 2020 to 2021, the demand for Adderall specifically increased 20%, which is massive when you're talking yes. amount of pills manufactured, right? Yes, and when the government is attempting to control the supply, when you have these giant jumps in demand, the system's not there to allow for that growth to happen and still adequately uh, have the supply available for everyone who now needs it. Yeah, well, there's also, I, I believe, the, the fear, and some of it is justified, and of course some of it is, but it is a controlled substance, the stimulants are. We are just getting through the opioid crisis, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of regulations have been put up around that. So with some of the things that have come up, gone on in the ADHD sort of field and stimulants, some maybe overprescribing, what some think people feel is that, uh, you know, is that sort of that next in line uh, to get that looked at and reigned in control? So I think providers think about that. Pharmacies think about that. Um, luckily, we're having some more options become available for non-stimulants, um, which, if they are effective, uh, create uh, another avenue that we can go through um, to prescribe for patients. So I know, for like in our practice, we are, are looking uh, down that road because those are not only available, but they, they're effective and we don't have to worry about that potential problem mm-hmm. with those. Yeah, so today there, there's a lot on this topic we could talk about, but I think specifically for those interested, we want to we know it affects patient care. And right? it's especially frustrating on the patient side to to have something that you need and not have access to. Yeah. So, you know, what so let's just talk specifically about uh just a little bit about how does it impact patient care. So, um, I happen to be on call today <laughs> for our group, and uh, this is a Friday, and it's only about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and our office tends not to, uh, to be closed for, you know, seeing patients on Friday mornings. So uh, I've already had to deal with uh, 8 to 10 messages about uh, ADHD medicines being sent to a certain pharmacy, not being available, 
How am I going to get access to my medicine now that I don't have? Um, and our nursing staff and everybody having to jump in to get that issue solved. So it creates a lot, a lot of work for the practice, uh, a lot of stress for the patient. Mm-hmm. And so it does definitely impact things. Yeah. So, so back end, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of behind the curtain and uh, the workflow of medications if you're interested. Controls and non-controls are different. Oh, right? very much so. so. So from a patient perspective, they're prescribed a controlled med versus a non-controlled med, and it gets to the pharmacies and, and there's an issue. How does that workflow different in those two circumstances to get the patient their med in the quickest way possible? Well, you have a non-controlled medication, uh, which means that uh, if they don't have it at your pharmacy, Mm -hmm. uh, you can call call the nursing staff at a practice, and they can easily transfer it to another pharmacy. Another script doesn't have to be sent. And sometimes it's... The office doesn't need, even need to get involved. No, sometimes, sometimes a pharmacy can, can just, just yeah, especially yes, send it. can send it between because mm-hmm. you're not changing the script, right? Mm-hmm. You're just changing the location where it's filled. However, with controls, they can only be filled at the pharmacy that you send the script to, mm-hmm. and there's special like when we do electronic scripts, uh, we have a couple factor auth- authentica- authentication we have to go through. We have to put in one number, then we have to put in an, another number that changes every 30 seconds or so for every single controlled script we send. Yeah. So, Because it used to be, a long time ago, you'd write it on paper. So if a pharmacy's out, oh, you just carry the paper to the next pharmacy and the next pharmacy. And Well, once the pharmacy grabbed that control script, they yeah. actually they couldn't let it go. Oh, so even then it was... Yeah, it became it became an issue. Yeah, if it, once they took it. Yeah. So, uh, but now it's it's a it's a even a bigger issue. I mean, the good thing is they're tracked very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing with uh, controlled substances, there's a really a short window of when you're able to fill them. So if I give you a 30 day script, uh, you can't go to the pharmacy and fill that a week before. Mm-hmm. Now you can fill it like a day or two before, and they, and they keep really close tabs on that, and then they're audited on that pretty closely too. Yeah, it's why uh, paper scripts have gone the way of the past because now a lot of the times they won't even be accepted because of all the back-end requirements that electronic prescribing put in along with the convenience of, oh, you don't have a lost piece of paper anymore. Yeah, I mean, the intention is very good. They're uh, trying to track you know, where are the meds going to? Uh, where are they getting filled? You know, is there any place where uh, you have any potential for there's what they call pill mills going right. on, right? And, of course, now it's legible because everyone knew provider signatures and <laughs> instructions could uh, not always be the most legible coming. Well, across. and what you're referring to there is with any time you – any type of – it doesn't even have to be a controlled substance but a medication that might be abused in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have people trying to call in acting to be the provider to get meds, or they might uh, have ripped off a script pad mm-hmm. and gotten one somehow, and they were writing scripts and forging uh, signatures. So the way of the electronics has, has helped that a, a, a fantastic amount. 
And I'm thankful because my hand does not cramp through the day now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anybody who's had a right to law controlled substances. So, But a big point there is, for the most part, paper scripts are just no longer valid a lot of the time. Right? Yeah, the but pharmacies wait. want the electronic. Electronics mandated by the government to some degree. So yeah, but there but there's still folk yeah. providers who only do paper scripts. They don't do electronic medical records. Or mm-hmm. all of us have had an experience. I know none of you. I all have, but um, with your EMR electronic medical record going down, or your electronic prescribing ability going down, and you have to go to paper scripts. Yes, yeah. it's just. Uh, the simple answer isn't just, well, give me the paper script and I'll go find the pharmacy. No, right. I mean, our practice, if our if our EMR is running and our electronic prescribing uh, is running, uh, we will not do paper scripts. It's just too hard mm-hmm. to track. Yeah. And at the end, of, even if you go to the pharmacy, they're taking it away from you. So then you have to come back and get a new one anyways. Yeah, it used to be, uh, well, the pharmacy took it. Well, n- no, the pharmacy doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh well, no, they don't have it. And then do, do you have two of these things being prescribed mm-hmm. other places? You know, now we can run programs, and every state has these, where you can <clears throat> run a program to see what's been filled by somebody within the last so many mm-hmm. days. But that takes time again, right? Yep. So to look at. So uh, there's just all these tools that are very good, but uh, you also have to run through your your day and yep. see your patients. So every time you get callbacks to fill meds that can't be filled, and in this case, it's her, the other thing that's happening now is people are getting partial fills. So I'm sending a 30-day script, and it's not the pharmacy's issue. Mm-hmm. They don't have 30 days worth of the med. They have five days of the med or 15 days. Well, once that script has been used for any amount, it's gone. I mean, you the, the rest of the... Uh, numbers are invalid on it. So if you, you had a 30-day script and that got filled for 10, uh, then the patient's left for the other 20 days to figure it out. So the, they're going to be calling us. And then we have to track down, well, it was only 10 days filled, how many days were filled, what happened. And uh, uh, so that's happened multiple times mm-hmm. this, this week also. And it's really nobody's fault everybody's trying to do the best all the pharmacies are trying to do their best and work with the patients out there but it is uh it's a back-end workflow mm-hmm. is much more complicated right it's we get the message from the pharmacy or the patient oh it needs to go to a new pharmacy non-controlled still a little bit of work but not as much the nursing staff can forward it on to a new pharmacy yes as long as it's not a change mm-hmm. in the script correct yeah. but for controls it always has to go back to the provider to write a new brand new script correct even though it's the exact same it just goes to a new pharmacy so that means it has to touch nursing and then nursing has to inform the provider and now we have to wait till the provider has availability because you're either with patients all you're with your other patients or you're on call and it's x amount of time is allotted to providers before they have to check their on-call messages and then i'm checking the chart to see well was it sent mm-hmm. did it because it was no it, well, it looks like to me like it was sent so was it and then we had to call even then i if uh, before i can write it again mm-hmm. uh, nursing has to make sure they call the pharmacy that was sent to and cancel it to void it out mm-hmm. so there's no chance of a script being filled twice 
at two right. different pharmacies without them knowing. Yeah. And yeah. then sometimes we have to double check other software to confirm it wasn't filled at the first one and we're not continually just sending new scripts right. out. So, so I think you've just, um, why it's easier <laughs> if you didn't have to do any controls, mm-hmm. that would be fantastic, you know, and, and that way. Uh, but we know that these medicines do help a certain population mm-hmm. of people with um, ADHD, especially, and where some other ones sometimes might not have the same efficacy for that patient. Just like in depression, there's tons of medications for depression, uh, but not everybody responds to the same one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think sometimes there's a perception difference because. When you're here for your appointment, the prescribing process appears to go very quickly, right? Oh, I'm in my visit. The meds are sent during my visit most of the time or immediately after, so this isn't a very long workflow. But the the first script is always the easiest because you're already in the patient's chart. You're with them. You're prepping things maybe before they come in. Nursing's not involved, canceling. So the second script is much more time-intensive and much more... Uh, lengthy to go through than the first one right it's not just a simple well it only takes a minute why does it take you an hour right changing of a script is probably a minimum of a 30 minute work 30 minutes on staff in various departments it would actually be easier for me as a provider to have the patient come in and be seen for another appointment Mm -hmm. it would take less of everybody's time uh but that you know that's not realistic and, and not fair to everybody but i mean if you talk about the easy fix and we had time to do it, yeah, uh, that would uh, be easier. But uh, and the other, well, that just gets into the part of yeah, when dealing with the shortage of things. Yeah, so yeah. it's mainly we just want people to know that it's not a one button click and we're just avoiding clicking the button. There's a lot of time, and then there has to be availability for that time because if a provider is in their patient day, they don't have 10 minutes scheduled to go take care of these issues. They're scheduled with patients back-to-back. Yeah. So and a the, lot of times you're waiting till the end of the day or Yeah. The, the other issue that has come up is since there – you would think that if there's a supply issue um, – well, if there's a supply issue with Adderall or Ritalin, any of them, uh, well, then it's all Adderall. Well, not necessarily, you know, so – it might be certain dosage strengths because those are the most popular, right? So what we have seen in the, this area is that certain dosage strengths are becoming the most difficult to get and are impossible to, to get. So then all of a sudden where you were sending, um, having a patient just do one copay, now they have to do two copays because if I can't get a 30 milligram, I have to now split it up into a 25 and a 5. And... You know, for providers to keep up with that, I mean, it's just I mean, it's difficult enough to keep up with insurance mm-hmm. and what they approve. Uh, this has just added a whole nother level. So I know we have worked out a, a way in our practice that every week or twice a week, uh, we're notified of what maybe what strengths might be available. But only at one pharmacy. Only, one, part, only right? one pharmacy. Yeah. So that's the other thing to know is, your provider in the office has no idea what's out there and available for pharmacies. There's not a magic portal that we can log into and see, oh, Walgreens has this in stock. No, it's not a Amazon shopping where you go to Amazon and go, oh, I want to buy this. Do you have it? We, we have no idea. Well, the other thing that's happened to patients is they'll call up a pharmacy and they say, oh, yeah, I have that strength. 
Well, by the time we send it and the patient gets to the pharmacy, which might be a couple hours, they don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's nobody's fault. It's just, it's gone. And it's, it's like a lot of restaurants don't take reservations anymore, right? Mm-hmm. The pharmacy can't sit there and hold the medicine for you. Yeah. So, yeah. so to close out, I think we wanted to give some advice for those of you that are looking for ways to improve the situation. How can you be more involved in your prescribing process to limit the amount of headaches and reduce the challenges of you getting your med? And the first one I think we've identified is, as a patient, you have a better option of calling the pharmacy that you want to use before you ever see your provider and say, hey, this is what I'm on. I fill it with you. I'm not planning to have med changes. Is it in stock? And not just is it in stock, how much is in stock? You know, If they say it's only one patient worth, then you know there's a high likelihood in the next three hours that it's going to be taken by someone else. <laughs> right. So do they have enough for multiple patients in the day, or is it, no, we have one, whoever gets here first? That way you can have a better conversation with your provider of, this is, I think, the best pharmacy to get it at because currently they're telling me they have enough meds for four patients today and I can get over there in the next hour and and have it versus, we'll send this script. Hopefully they have it. If not, I'll call you guys back. Yeah, and the other thing I would say as a patient, there's two, a couple scenarios I think of. One is a new patient coming in, you know, be open to various medications for ADHD because we might be looking uh, at a non-stimulant um, uh, more often to start with, uh, partly because of this issue and not having to deal with this issue. Uh, but also, if you're on a certain stimulant, we just as a provider might have a pretty good idea of whether you're going to be able to get that filled or not. And, uh, that there might be other options out there, even in that same category of stimulants that might be a a better option to try right now. So you're not having to go down that frustrating road. I mean, since we've been in this now for four to five months, we've had the opportunity to see patients back numerous times. And at first it was, I'll just send the the script to XYZ Pharmacy and uh, they'll deal with it. After they experience the frustration once or twice, they want that frustration to go away. Because to show up when you need like a stim- your stimulant medicine for ADHD, that might just work the day that you take it, and you're trying for five days to figure out where to get it, uh, <clears throat> it's impacted your life pretty mm-hmm. significantly. So... Uh, I think a, a lot of the providers uh, and clinics are starting to look at, you know, how can I make life easier for everybody? Because um, believe me, the, the other pharmacies, if they could, would make sure they, <laughs> they have it. They want your, they would like to have your business, right? Yeah, we don't think any pharmacies are purposefully not stocking or intentionally withholding from patients. It's a problem that everything from the supply chain to the manufacturer clinician pharmacy and down to patient yeah one of the one of the manufacturers you know go figure had a staffing issue like like everybody (laughs) else they could they didn't have enough staff available to produce the amount so once you have that that might not hit the market for two to three months because of they've had enough backlog but once that hits it's not a slow effect it's a massive 
mm-hmm. in fact, down a trickle. And, uh, and um, this is sort of like the pandemic, <laughs> the stimulant ADHD medicines. Uh, uh, where, can you, where can you find that? And uh, so it's been interesting to uh, see one of the uh, pharmacies we work with, what they have to go through on their back end just to see if they can uh, obtain enough medicine to take care of the, uh, the patients that they, they take care of. So you live and learn, folks. So I think that can wrap that up. We uh, Hopefully, if you have any questions from that, we'd be glad to take them. And uh, we can always get further information. But thank you for being with us on this uh, edition of the Spoken D. And we'll catch you down the road next time. Thank you.